Hello, everyone. On this week's Market Tidbits, I'm here with Grace Yu, one of the project managers at Dasha Consulting. And we're here to talk about my recent research in nostalgia marketing in China. Uh, so hi everyone, I'm Grace, uh, I'm currently the product manager in Dashi and also native Chinese. Um, nostalgia marketing is actually quite a trendy concept in Chinese marketing, uh, in Chinese marketing field, especially regarding consumer goods. Um, actually myself as a native Chinese, I found this report super interesting, it brings back lots of my own memories. So yes, I'd like to hear more about the nostalgia marketing. So Alison, what do you think about it? Yeah, I'm super glad that you feel nostalgic when you look at the report because that is what I had in mind. I thought when, when this report goes out, it has to make every Chinese person feel nostalgic. But anyway, let's talk about how nostalgia marketing works. So nostalgia marketing is marketing through appealing to a specific idealized emotion from your past, usually between the ages of 12 to 22. So why is it between the ages of 12 to 22? Well, actually during those years, we experience an increased amount of feel-good chemicals, which are dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. So that makes those memories related to uh, feeling happy. And so nostalgia marketing triggers those happy idealized memories through certain triggers and those triggers can be like music, it can be flavors or it can even be IP. Um, and so some of these triggers, for example, smell um, is a big trigger because the olfactory bulb is really close to the part of the brain that processes emotion, um, the limbic system which processes emotions. Um, but also an interesting one is also sadness is a trigger of nostalgia. And so that is one interesting takeaway that we found in our research because we found that um, one reason why nostalgia marketing actually works pretty well in China is because there's also like a loneliness epidemic going on, especially among Chinese millennials, um, white collar workers in big in large cities. So yeah, we have seen yeah. a lot of nostalgia marketing campaigns in China targeting Chinese Gen Z and millennials. Um, Grace, what do you think is the reason for nostalgia marketing being so successful among this age group? I never hear nostalgia marketing in such an academic context. <laughs> but yes, indeed, in China, younger generation is smaller for targets than Generation X. Not only because they have stronger consumption power, but more importantly, because nostalgic marketing does work remarkably with them. Um, so you see, in China, China has experienced massive changes in the past decades. For most people in Generation Y and Z, they moved to higher tier cities. They live in a lifestyle totally different from their parents and their hometowns. And they are experiencing increasingly intensified pressures from competition. Well, of course, these changes bring opportunities and higher quality of life, but we have to admit that deep inside it also brings insecurities and anxieties when everything around is changing so fast. Um, under such context, nostalgia scenes light up of uh, underlying attachments to the sense of stability and security, especially after the pandemic. Pandemic has enhanced such attachments remarkably in this year. And that's also why we think nostalgia marketing is getting more and more popular uh, since 2020. Cool. So, Grace, how do you do nostalgia marketing in a modern context? 
Yeah, actually, it's a quite interesting topic, given that um, when we talk about nostalgic marketing, people intuitively think that we're going to back to the old times. But actually, it's super important for us to do it in the modern context to combine the historical moments or old forms with modern elements. For example, the case that Giordano has used uh, in the nostalgic marketing, they have leveraged the characters of old textbook, English textbook to bring back the collective memory. Um, but the way they use that, they print this character in their t-shirts, but not in the original um, image, but in the image with more comic, comic style. So it's more like a style that illustrates Mm, in a style more of comic and illustration. So it suits more to younger generations taste. Uh, it can bring the brands to brand rejuvenization rather than just simply going back to the cliche stuff. Great. Um, should we talk about how we did the nostalgia research? Oh, yes, definitely. I found the report itself super interesting and the insights uh, here regarding the, I think you leveraged the methodology of focus group, right? Do you want to actually, talk more about how um, you did the research? Yeah, mm -hmm. so actually we leveraged in-depth interviews and then, and then we supplemented our in-depth interviews with social media listening. Um, so for our in-depth interviews, we got, we interviewed 13 Chinese millennials and Gen Z from all over China. We interviewed them in person for at least an hour and we recorded the interview and then we uh, analyzed the transcripts in both uh, Chinese and English to find commonalities and to find trends to see um, what are the variations between the regions, between the genders, so we uncovered a lot of information, which I'm super excited to share with you. Yes, is there any trends or insights or case you want to highlight? Yeah, um, there's a lot of things that I want to highlight. Um, first, the first section we talk, we found more about the specific senses. So like the specific triggers regarding like smells, sounds in different scenarios. So at home, at school, and we found case studies that correlate with these triggers. And these case studies have gotten feedback on social media saying, oh, this makes me feel nostalgic, makes me miss home, makes me miss the good old days. And then in the second part of the research, we uncovered what IP is nostalgic for Chinese. And that is because co-branding is super important in nostalgia marketing. Um, and it's a, an especially powerful tool for foreign brands who don't necessarily mm -hmm. have the nostalgia power in China because they maybe weren't in China back during the good old days. So they can partner with a Chinese brand who was, but maybe isn't so popular right now when they can both have like a second wave together. Um, exactly. Like collaboration between domestic Chinese brand and foreign brand newly into China market could also be what we have been saying about doing nostalgic marketing in modern context. Actually, I want to, I want to hear more about the home pass because it kind of attracts me in the first glance, especially in the home pass when we talk about smell, what brings, back, what brings you back to home, you mentioned homemade rice. So yeah. it's like something 
never come to me, came to me before, but we put this on, oh yes, that's so special. And now I remember how it smells in my home and how my mom called me home and for the sort of stuff. So yes, please talk more, talk more about it. <laughs> yeah, so we found when our Chinese participants felt nostalgic about home, it was really focused on food, which is not overly surprising <laughs> because food is super important in Chinese culture. But some of the, yeah, yeah some of the um, things that came up was homemade rice, fried pork, braised beef, soup, mm-hmm. and osmanthus, which osmanthus is a really interesting one because it's not really popular in the West, but osmanthus is something that like a lot of different brands use to localize in China. For example, um, Pepsi recently came out with an osmanthus flavor. Osmanthus is a very interesting concept in China because actually it's not to... Uh, general term for all Chinese. It's more like a term and concept in East and East China, East of China, like in Shanghai or in Zhejiang or in Jiangsu. Uh, it's more local there. But the thing is, Chinese literature has extensively covered Osmanthus, uh, maybe when they're uh, maybe from the writers whose hometown is from east of China. But now it's more becoming a general term all over the country through literature, through marketing, through people talking about it. So yeah, it's a very good insight actually. Actually, it's not only in Pepsi, it's also in all kinds of foods. You put some of mantas in and your food starts to get a little bit premium. So we Chinese are very consistent. <laughs> yeah, and I, also in our research, we found a case study for Osmanthus perfume. So that was really interesting too. Yes. And the comments around that on social media said like, oh, it reminds me of my childhood. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget this. And yeah, so earlier yeah, you I mentioned- myself. You do. Earlier you mentioned that yes. like Osmanthus is related to the Eastern region. And in our research, we did find that each region does kind of have their couple of scents and smells. Uh, mm-hmm. Grace, what region yeah. are you from? <laughs> um, technically, I'm from North China. North China. Uh, we okay. Imagine Chinese. Yes. You imagine Chinese map as a chicken. It does yes. look like one. I'm from the neck of the chicken. I it's think from Beijing. It's oh, in from the Beijing. neck of China. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. for you, perhaps what makes you feel nostalgic is grilled meat, firecrackers, and cedar after snow (laughs) that's what i researched yeah you do know us (laughs) yeah for the eastern region it was osmanthus of course and then fresh cut grass and chicken soup for southwest region perhaps the least surprising is hot pot chili peppers and sweet and sour soup and for the south region the nostalgic triggers were mangoes bananas pool water and fresh juice Ah, now you make me hungry Also, we found some nostalgia triggers for school days, and Mm -hmm. we found that um, some memories also revolve around food, specifically memories about the food shops that are located right outside of schools, Mm -hmm. which is something that doesn't really exist in the west to my experience not in the, in the u.s oh, at least doesn't? yeah we don't we, we eat the food in the school but we don't have like shops located right out right outside schools because uh, that's we, mainly because we have a free life you can go outside school and buy everything but what we have is we eat the school <laughs> yeah we, we we like have to drive so yeah anyway so oh, yes. 
Mm-hmm. Some nostalgic memories was like fried meat, uh, mini mm. hot dogs in the dorms. And then <laughs> one, some beautiful scenery that some of our participants described was ivy growing on school walls. Um, school uniforms. Yeah. And the ivy growing on school walls, that actually reminds me of the J. Chow movie, The Secret. <laughs> because there's, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it, but there's yes. ivy growing. It's, okay. it's a beautiful movie, everyone. You guys should watch it, listeners. It's a really good movie. And I'm sure it makes a lot of uh, Chinese people feel nostalgic. Um, yeah, one, definitely. <laughs> one really interesting thing about nostalgia for school days is that a lot of Chinese said that they feel nostalgic for their school uniforms. And there's even a trend of school uniform photo shoots that people sign up for and they put on uniform costumes and they just pretend like they're in high school and a photographer (laughs) takes pictures for them, which is really interesting because we do not, I, yeah, I wouldn't expect something like this. Grace, what's your take on this? Oh gosh, school uniform, you won't believe this, but I have four exactly same school uniforms that came when I was in high school, just to, so that I can change. It's kind of mandatory for most of Chinese high school to wear school uniforms so that you won't waste your study time on choosing which uh, outfit you will have for the day. So yes, school uniform is kind of like a mandatory part of your teenager life. Um, also, I think for school uniform, but the point is, Chinese school uniform is not that good looking. Unlike in Japanese, people are wearing, wearing this, especially for girls, super cute uh, school uniform skirts. But in China, it's just like sex place uh, uniform that you have to wear kind of to obey the school rules. So yes, um, but the thing is, when you wear back your school uniform, that reminds uh, reminds you of how simple life used to be. And I guess that's why lots of Chinese people, when, although they hate school uniforms when they were teenagers, but when they grow up, they try to rewear it to recall this part of their memories. But life is easy, you just need to study, and there's nothing else you need to worry about the world. That's really interesting insight. Um, because, yeah, school uniforms, you would think that there's something that's boring, but oftentimes it's in the boring things, in the mundane things, that's where nostalgia is found. And so this is a really yeah, exactly. big hint for brands trying to use nostalgia marketing in China, it's not always the big, mm-hmm. exciting, the flashy things that create nostalgia. Yes. Oftentimes it's just the boring, mundane, daily things like school uniforms that can be incredibly nostalgic yeah. for, for people. <laughs> Another thing that really um, surprised me was the amount of nostalgia surrounding exams. And I know that in China, um, exams are pretty serious. They're not something to take lightly, mm-hmm. especially the gaokao Um, which is unlike anything in the West. So I definitely cannot relate to this, but a lot of, we had a lot of really interesting comments about the Gaokao, especially that um, some nostalgia triggers for the Gaokao are mosquito spray, which was surprising me because Gaokao is indoors. There shouldn't be mosquitoes, but mosquito spray, I guess it's maybe the time of the season. Um, The smell of rain also and the smell of books. 
Um, mm. Yeah, and then I, I think people also mention that they feel very tired, but very motivated. And then also how peaceful it felt after the test. Uh, yes, it's like all your teenage life, high school, uh, three year junior, three year senior is all set up for one day, or <laughs> two days actually. And it's interesting, Chinese Gaokao, as you mentioned about the season, uh, it's in June, June 7th and June 8th, uh, 6, 7. Okay. We have the saying that it's sim uh, pronounced similarly to Lu Chiba. It's like, take me in. I so, yes, it happens in summer, and that's why mosquito spray. It's a very interesting insight. It doesn't come to me at the first place, but when you see that, I do remember how it smells through all the summers. And we usually spend, like before Gaokao, one year before Gaokao, for every single day, we spend more than 14 or 16 hours in our classroom just to study. And we have limit, very limited time to uh, sleep. And yes. Uh, also, you don't really get much opportunity to get out of the classroom. You just stay there and study for one year or in extreme case, three whole years of your senior high school. So yeah, it could be crazy. <laughs> and I can see how some in a situation that intense can create for mm -hmm. some powerful and vivid memories, which would create the nostalgia effect. In fact, it seems that Chinese are so nostalgic for the Gaokao that there are these paid study rooms that imitate the Gaokao mm -hmm. environment. And it's for perhaps adults or even uh, maybe even college students who need to return to the intense studying time. They'll rent these yes. study rooms. And the comments on social media about these study rooms is that it brings them back to the high school time, uh, the Gaokao time, and therefore they are more efficient at studying. Which is yeah, true. Mm -hmm. Actually, me myself, I came to this paid study room occasionally as well. But it's mainly for that. Uh, try to simulate the environments in your high school where everyone is super dedicated, uh, super focused on the study, and no, no tel no mobile phones, no other kind of entertaining stuff. So it's kind of help you to concentrate and enhance your efficiency. So it does work even without the nostalgic part. But yeah, it does bring back lots of memories. We never studied that hard right after our high schools. <laughs> That's really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And one other thing we found was that, as you know, Chinese mm -hmm. high school students are not allowed to date. However, that does not <laughs> stop them from having nostalgia around their first crushes. Uh, yes, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> So some of the nostalgic feelings that Chinese had about their first crushes was that their heart was beating fast when they're walking together, um, hiding their crushes from their parents and teachers. Girls said that yes. their crushes were warm, clean, and bright, and boys said that their crushes were gentle and sweet. Some smells that came up was the smell of hamburgers, the smell of fresh cut grass, and the smell of mm -hmm. sweet fruit. And the smell of sweet um. fruit leads us to our case study, which is where there's a perfume brands in China that will uh, sell themselves as first love smell, mm -hmm. Chulian, and they'll be like a fruity <laughs> smell, just like what, just like what the um, boys said their first crush smelled like <laughs> um, in our research. 
Yes, uh, it brings back lots of memories when I see the smell of fresh grass. So um, you see, I also have a, a kind of relationship in my senior high school. Um, we have this so-called dates in only PE class, because uh, in PE class we have this time where people can like do the uh, activity free, uh, freely. Um, of course, we can't spend time together because it will be spotted by the teachers. So what we do is he runs around the track quickly and I walk slowly uh, on the track so that when, we, uh, when he ran past me, he slows down a bit. So we have like one minute or even last 30 seconds to talk a bit until he runs back. So it's like he's faster than me, so we can get this very few minutes or seconds to talk. <laughs> that is the most romantic thing I have ever heard. If there's any oh. um, movie makers trying to appeal to a Chinese audience, <laughs> I think you have your answer right there. Uh, it cool will track. be only understood by Chinese <laughs> The more briefs, the more romantic. And I think the fact that dating was so taboo I suppose that probably contributed to the um, nostalgia around it. Yeah, all the rebellions. <laughs> right. So let's talk about some of the nostalgic IP that we found because for anybody who's trying to do a co-branding nostalgia, mar nostalgia marketing campaign, this stuff is really juicy. So is there a specific IP you want to bring up? For cartoons, we were actually surprised by the diversity of which uh, the nations that the cartoons were from. I was, I kind of expected to see one American and one Japanese, but we also saw um, a French cartoon in there as well, which is Martin Morning, and I, I hadn't heard of it until <laughs> I did this research. Um, yeah, of course, there's a lot of nostalgic Chinese cartoons like Big Ear Tutu mm -hmm. and uh, Big Head Son, Small Head Dad. But it seems mm -hmm. that a lot of Chinese feel really nostalgic also around anime. Yes. Specifically, Detective Conan was one that came up a lot. And I think that it made a lot of um, young Chinese, when they're watching it, when they're kids, it made them feel scared, actually. <laughs> That's cool. I see my favorites. <laughs> and then moving on to movies. Um, some of the top mentions were, of course, Police Story and Journey to the West, which are both Chinese, but then also from Japan was Spirited Away, which is also not surprising because it is one of the, it was one of the top movies globally, and the Harry mm -hmm. Potter franchise and the Transformers franchise. And what's really interesting about this is um, Universal Studios is opening a theme park in Beijing. And there's both a Harry Potter park and a Transformers park. And it's going to be the first Transformers park in the world. And it's oh, opening. Really? I didn't China. know that. Yeah. And I think they, it's a smart move because what we found is nearly every uh, male that we interviewed brought up Transformers. It made a really big impact. And also the vitamin brand BiHealth, um, when it was trying to target male vitamin consumers, it it co-branded with Transformers as well. So Transformers is pretty big for, for co-branding in China. Oh, uh, yeah. But actually, that's a quite smart move, especially for boys. Oh, gosh. Transformers. Oh, I've heard in my childhood from them. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah it's, just, it's really popular and it's really interesting how some movies like transformers are very popular in china but then some movies like star wars which are really big in the west are really not that popular in china yeah, actually i'm quite curious about star wars as well um i never heard of it until i came on high school and i started to watch foreign movies so foreign sitcoms and everyone's talking about the star wars um i guess it's just different time differences uh, like back to the 80s, Star Wars didn't really get the opportunity to explode in China and it missed its shots. Yes, I think that's exactly it. Mm. I think Star Wars was mm. too early for China. Yeah. But uh, Transformers hit the sweet spot of like yeah, it's having. All about time. <laughs> yeah, the cartoon, or I believe it had a cartoon probably in the 90s or early 2000s, oh, yes. and it came out with mm. a bunch of movies. Um, yeah, and Star Wars was out, I think, like in the 70s or 80s, and then <laughs> kept going. But if you miss the beginning, it's not really worth picking it up in the middle. Mm, yeah, I totally yeah. agree. Some of, the, some of our participants' um, favorite artists that make them feel the most nostalgic was, um, of course, Jay Chow, um, S.H.E., J.J. Lin, Angelina Chang, and then we started to get more foreign. So at the beginning, is it's mostly like uh, Chinese-speaking artists, and then we got one Korean, Super Junior, and then um, Lady Gaga was also one of the top ones. Uh, other artists that came up was Adele, and of course Avril Lavigne. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Yes, and Linkin Park as well. Some of the top video games was QQ Pets. Tetris, um, dressing games. I'm not familiar with these, but they're most of them are from four three nine nine, and then also some ten cent games, and also Grand Theft Auto was one of them, as well as Crossfire. Oh yeah. I just can't stop stop smiling when you mention these names. It's like all my memories coming back. Right. Uh, I, I have wasted tons of my time on this. Yeah, and some of these brands are. They're good for co-branding. Like I know um, Super, Super Mario is a big one and I know yes. Uniqlo has co-branded with them. Mm -hmm. um, also, I believe it was in the male beauty market. I remember now it's L'Oreal Men uh, sponsored a Crossfire eSports tournament. So it's a really good way to tap into like a certain tribe. And I know for L'Oreal, yeah. their thoughts were that they, they're trying to target men to use beauty products but it's it's not as many men as women use these beauty products and so they have to find them within their own tribe and esports oh. was was the route they decided to go and so they sponsored um, some esports events mm. for specifically for mm. crossfire which is really nostalgic for a lot of chinese <laughs> Yes, I didn't know this context, but it is considered that a very smart move because Crossfire is in a way very popular and also is considered as a very masculine game. So yeah, it's a very smart corporate, I agree. Um, also Super Mario, as you mentioned, is it's indeed a very hot IP and they are very good at epic collaborating, uh, especially, epic collaboration, especially regarding the uh, nostalgic marketing. Yes, uh, it's super trendy in China in recent years. Me, myself, I remember seeing it tons of times, uh, like the, in recent two years. Yeah, um, 
and Super Mario is always updating. It's never going to yes. go out of date because it's always updating and coming out with new games. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, yes, <laughs> Yeah. So moving on to snacks, here's a big one. White Rabbit. At Dasha Consulting, we've kind of coined it, informally coined it, the queen of co-branding because it has co-branded with so many different brands to use its flavor, its image, and it has made like, it's co-branded with Scent Diary to um, make like white rabbit candy flavored perfume. And it's also um, made white rabbit uh, bubble tea and things like t-shirts. So yeah, in addition to white rabbit, there's also Ovaltine which is still sometimes sold like at milk tea shops today. I've seen that they sell like Ovaltine products, uh, my likes, which are kind of uh, like Whoppers, uh, Xiaomanto, Latiao, Green Tongue mm. Ice Cream, and Calcium Milk are some of the most nostalgic snacks for Chinese. Interesting, because white rabbit candy is also considered as one of the most successful case of bread rejuvenization. Uh, domestic Chinese brand who has really got relates to younger generation and regained them po their popularities in generation uh, in millennials and generation Z. Yes, white candy, white rabbit candy can be a very interesting case to study on. Right. If you want to study any, you want to study successful co-branding in China, definitely look to White Rabbit. It's definitely made a name for itself and it was like like i mentioned it's a candy that was very popular in the 90s um early 2000s and then as the consumer base gets older they don't necessarily want to eat candy every day but they do like perfume mm -hmm. they do like bubble tea they do like all these other products and white rabbit has definitely capitalized on nostalgia yeah <laughs> yeah exactly also, I see that in the case study, you have put in some of the restaurants we are most familiar with, like Guoqiu Do you want to talk a bit more on it? Yeah, sure. So um, this restaurant is in Shanghai. It's called The Continuous Past. It is literally a portal to the past. You walk in the door and you're transported to 1999 China. And the menu is made like a exam. So in order to order your food, you have to complete an exam, which is really stressful for people who don't know Chinese. Um, and then the food comes in like a little metal lunch box and every day there's a different special. And then on top of this, you can get like a private little dorm room where there's one decorated as a boys room with like basketball jerseys hanging. And then there's one decorated as like a girl room with like images of idols and we have pictures of this restaurant on our website for our nostalgic case studies but grace <laughs> tell me about i know when you started working at dashi consulting you were peer pressured into going through that time portal i want to know about your experience and how you felt at that restaurant yeah i mean when i first saw the name of this report nostalgia marketing i knew they'll you will put this case study in uh, this is a restaurant super near to our office uh, it's also the restaurant basically everyone in industrial team has took me to when i first joined the team 
Um, actually, I do feel like this restaurant brings back lots of memories. Um, it's very well decorated, and every single details has uh, like every single details is for junior high, uh, senior high school. And we have the blackboard, which we update the content every week with our trucks. And also we have the dormitory uh, up and side down to bed. And for like the exam papers mentioned by you earlier, uh, at least exam paper you mentioned earlier, yes, we do this kind of context. And the, even the paper itself, the texture is mostly like what we use in our high school. So yes, I feel like, I'm coming back to my nightmares. It's high school again. Now I need to do the now I need to do the test, the exam, everything all over again. But um, yeah, overall well, speaking, it does feel like I'm young again and coming back to my 16 or 17. And also the music, the Puton is back to that age. So everything is just so familiar and in a way make you feel secure. Yeah. It, yeah, it's definitely a very interesting experience. And I think that this idea of having like a totally immersive nostalgia experience is something mm. that they can also be done in escape rooms or also in mm. any sort of like um, eating location or any store really. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's super interesting and super cool and definitely worth <laughs> studying. Yes. Oh, yes. Escape room indeed. We do have these themes of uh, escape room. One of the very popular theme is high school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Speaking of Chinese high school, there's also another case study which I really like. Um, there's this English textbook with the characters Li Lei and Han Mei Mei. And this textbook was um, published between the years 1990 and 2000 and was in the English curriculum for 100 million Chinese, most of which are in the millennial age group now. And so this textbook was picked up by somebody in the McDonald's marketing department, and they decided, let's use these characters from this textbook to make a McDonald's ad where the characters have to order McDonald's in English. It's really adorable and it even makes me feel nostalgic and I think um, this is one of my favorite nostalgia marketing campaigns and it's also really clever to think of IP other than brands. Um, look at yes. textbooks, look at, look at what daily, like we mentioned earlier, what mundane things did people come in contact with between the ages of 12 to 22 because these things have more nostalgic value than you might be aware of even if they're not flashy or special. Absolutely. Um, by the way, I've heard that instead of Lily and Hanime, you have your own learning character when you are studying Chinese, right? Yes. Um, for <laughs> foreigners who study Chinese, we have the, we have our own integrated Chinese characters of Wang Peng, and I might butcher the other names, but I think it's like Li Bai or something like that. Oh, Gao Wenzhong. And Wang Peng is like a stud and he's like the Chinese guy, of course, and he plays basketball. And then um, Levi is like a cute Korean girl who everyone flirts with. And then Gao Wenzhong is, I think he's supposed to be British, but he's kind of like a loser, like he's a downer. <laughs> so yeah, it would, I would, that's how I can relate to this McDonald's campaign is I think if I saw a, an ad with those characters, I would remember that forever. I would 
probably save it and share it with everyone I know because that's just so cute. I think those uh, like American fast food brands they make pretty good um, nostalgic marketing, like one that KFC made for like uh, bring the price back to blah 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 years, like bring the price back to old times. I knew that is supposed to be a global event and it happens in different markets, but I do like the part that when they bring this events to China market, they set up the year to the year they entered China market. So like they do this localization and also they try to create the moments like how KFC has spent Chinese, like has accompanied Chinese people to go through all these decades. Oh, it's super interesting. I do like the events. I brought a lot the product at their back to time price yeah that's really clever and i know kfc is one of the most successful fast food brands in china even more successful than mcdonald's and yes. so that's yeah and that's a really cool marketing campaign so i believe the year was 1987 but they dropped yes. their prices <laughs> yeah so kfc dropped their prices to same prices that they were in 1987, which was the first year that KFC entered China. And so it's really a good deal for anybody who wants to participate. It also gains the brand a lot of visibility and um, definitely leverages nostalgia and everybody will reminisce about their first time going to KFC. Yes, most importantly, is it also create this what we call social currency. By so social currency, we mean that you don't need to express yourself. You just need to share the campaign or participate the campaign. Your move itself is a expression. So um, these kind of campaigns are easily to create social buzz. People will share with others and maybe take photos on social medias, this sort of stuff. So yes, this sort of campaign could be very successful. Yeah, that's very interesting. Social currency is is definitely important in a lot of Chinese marketing campaigns and I know that one other point for nostalgia marketing in China is that a lot of these memories that they're tapping into are known as collective memories and so memories regarding school memories regarding the family it's not necessarily what it means to the individual but it's what it means to the individual and their group of friends how can they share this how can they talk about it and so it's less about capturing like an intimate experience for each for an individual and more about capturing something that they can share and talk about and uh, they share among their peers yeah exactly this is what brands should know before starting their nostalgic campaign in china first is to appeal to the senses so find a way to adapt your product to trigger certain smells sounds or sights that really resonate with chinese and second is to aim for when the audience was 12 to 22 years old. This is, again, when dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin were at their all-time high. And so memories made during these times are particularly vivid and they're particularly um, idealized. And so that's the age group you want to aim for. And then you can um, think backward to think, when was my target audience 12 to 22? So what did, was their childhood like? And then after that, our next tip is to look to co-branding. Not all brands were in China during time range of 12 to 22, and so they might have to partner with somebody who was, such as White Rabbit or perhaps Mario. And this is a way that both brands can 
leverage each other to have mutual benefits. And co-branding in itself has been shown to be highly effective in China. So thank you everybody for tuning in and learning about nostalgia. And a big thanks to Grace for being on the show with me and sharing some of her own nostalgic memories and sharing some of her own expertise as well. Yeah, and thanks for bringing back all of these memories to me. <laughs> yes, I hope you... Oh, it's good to think about it, yes. Hope I you enjoy sure. your nostalgic, swimming in your nostalgic memories. So thank you everybody for tuning in and hope you enjoyed the show. Happy New Year. 新年快乐! 新年快乐! <laughs>